0: Addicted to the thrill. Uh It's a dangerous love.
1: everyone welcome back to another episode of hot take time machine ethan and i excited to bring you a special edition of the pod today we're doing our mega super bowl 55 preview we're going to touch all the bases for you guys do some kind of general outlooks on both of the teams we got the Casey chiefs on one side and then the tampa bay buccaneers playing a home super bowl uh i'm excited to get into this ethan i don't know about you
0: yeah, you know it's been a rough week off of football. I mean, you, you that first Sunday where you know there's no more competitive football is always a real reality check. So we gotta we gotta make it count while we have it. You know, it's gonna be a long off season, but hey, until Sunday night uh, and afterwards, we've got a lot of good stuff to look forward to. I think with this Super Bowl,
1: no doubt, no doubt about that. Especially considering NFL has been one of the main topics of yeah. you know, Take <laughs> Time Machine and. It's unfortunate that this is, uh, you know, it's coming to a close. It's just kind of flown by this 2020 season, man. And I think we're very fortunate to have gotten this far without, you know, some serious, serious COVID disruption in terms of the overall NFL schedule. Uh, mm-hmm. Set for kickoff on Sunday, no doubt.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, speaking of COVID, that's the first thing that I kind of wanted to bring up about. This is just how weird it's going to be to have a, you know, they're still having, I think, 25,000 fans allowed in Raymond James Stadium. Right. But there's also going to be 30,000 cutouts. Like, I'm interested to see how the whole dynamic with such a limited crowd is going to be. You know, it's a Super Bowl. Like, that the Super Bowl is the premier sporting event in, you know, in American sports and probably in the world, other than maybe the World Cup. Like, it's going to be interesting to see how much fan noise, like, you know, that that they usually have on the loudspeaker, how much of that they're pumping into the stadium, because, I mean, that generally does have an impact on, you know, uh, sort of communication on the line, false starts, that sort of thing. I, I'm interested to see if that does have an impact of if they just let the 25,000 fans go and then the cutouts are all silent. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, cut out uh, crowd influence isn't going to be a factor in the outcome of this game, but one thing I want to mention before we kind of start breaking down uh you know the properties traits of the specific teams is that among these 25,000 fans, you know, Ethan that you that you bring up that are going to be in attendance, which is an extraordinary occurrence for uh, NFL in 2020 2021 yeah. season. Among those 25,000, I think something like over half uh, are frontline healthcare workers in the Tampa, Florida Uh, area so impressive Mm -hmm. um that nfl is pulling that off and props to them honestly for getting tickets to those who really deserve them instead of you know just the random bucks fan who's uh like john jug right (laughs) i know john (laughs) jug super bowl tickets but um ethan why don't we just get right into it why don't you tell us a little bit about uh you know kind of what both teams are seeking to achieve with a win in super bowl 55
0: Yeah, sure. Well, so first, I mean, obviously everybody, not everybody, but I would assume everybody listening to this right now knows that the Chiefs won last year. They're going uh, to become the first back-to-back Super Bowl winner with a victory since the Patriots and Tom Brady in the 2003-2004 Super Bowls. Uh, Mahomes is going to be the first QB to start two Super Bowls at age 25 or younger as well which, I mean, that in and of itself is just absurdly impressive and, like, (laughs) kind of nuts, honestly. Uh, But, you know, I mean, they're looking to make history and really sort of, you know, write themselves into the history books as not just a one-and-done team that got really lucky and was kind of a flash in the pen, but, you know, an emerging dynasty that's here to stay for years to come in the AFC and in the NFL in general. And then on the flip side, I mean, we've been talking about this for weeks, it seems like, since basically the playoffs started. Everything surrounding Brady, but uh, Tom Brady's looking to win his seventh career Super Bowl in his record 10th appearance and his first not with the Patriots, which is obviously very notable because the other nine have been all with the same team. It's his first year with this new team and he's already in the Super Bowl again. Like, come on. Uh, this would also be the Bucks' first Super Bowl since the 0-2 season, when they had Gruden and that really good defense, and the defense bailed Gruden out and won him a Super Bowl, even though he's a shitty head coach. But that's that's for another podcast episode. We don't have to get into John Gruden <laughs> right now. Um, sort of setting the stage for this matchup. Obviously, everybody's talking about you know Brady Mahomes that is kind of the big thing that not just we're going to highlight, but I think all sports media will and has been highlighting over the past few weeks. Brady Mahomes, you know, could not be further opposites in terms of age. Mahomes is really just entering his prime. I mean, you could make the argument that he was entering it last year, but I think this year he's really coming into his own in terms of, you know, solid, consistent play. Whereas Brady I mean, look, he's old. He should be way past his prime. And yet he still had 40 touchdowns yeah. this year. I mean
1: come on. So
0: his his prime, I don't yeah. know. His prime might still be going on. It's difficult to say, regardless. The two are two and two against each other all time. Uh they've played before, actually once this year was last time the two teams met in week yep. twelve. And forget, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Chiefs won 27-24, I believe. Yeah. Yes, they did. I have it right here. Mahomes had three touchdowns, no interceptions. That was a game where Tyreek went off uh, for 269 yards and three touchdowns, which is so brutal. pretty good fantasy day. <laughs> um, and then Brady had 345 yards, three TDs, and two interceptions in that one. Of course, we can't draw too many conclusions just from one showing. A lot has changed since even that game for these two teams, but still, you know, I think we're really in for one of the most historic battles that we've seen in the Super Bowl in a long time. Just the way that all this is setting up, you know, the implications for each team, what's at stake, and also the emerging legacy that Mahomes is starting to build, sort of going up against the one that Brady is trying to, you know, not not put the finishing touches to because who knows how much longer he's going to be playing but just to add to basically you know i mean you know better than anybody as a yeah
1: well it's just really uh you know honestly to me it's mystifying in a way because we haven't had a super bowl like this with this much kind of hype but also like grand historical implications in so, so long. I mean, it's the first Super Bowl matchup between QBs who had won a Super Bowl prior to their appearance in, in, you know, their contest. And
0: Mm -hmm.
1: just the ripple effects, I think, throughout history, based on the results of this game, are going to be significant. And, you know, not just for uh, the specific franchise, you know, with the Bucks going for their second, you know, Super Bowl, the second appearance, Chiefs going for the third Super Bowl, second appearance in a row. But of course, you know, the changing of the old guard or the new guard between Mahomes and Brady, because I think, of course, the reality is that, you know, Brady isn't on the same kind of rise that Mahomes is, right? Because Mahomes, you know, very early in his career, in fact, you know, Brady could be Mahomes' dad, hypothetically. Mahomes' dad is seven years older than Brady. So, of (laughs) course, you know, the Mahomes trajectory is much more vertical than the Brady one in this moment. But Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there's just a lot of metaphorical weight being packed into this game in terms of... Uh, you know the passing off of the torch or Brady saying you know I am I am the indisputed goat there's gonna be no dethroning me it's uh, I saw one analogy drawn where it was like he's almost you know the the final boss you know kind of the right the guardian of the castle in terms of a kind of NFL mortality um, yeah. you know that's just kind of uh, you know a more romantic storyline to the game that I've just kind of been uh, thinking about a little bit going into this, especially just because I've been a little bit of a simp for Brady the past <laughs> couple of weeks, a little bit. Just a bit. Just a bit because, you know, it's <laughs> like I'm sensitive now, you know, because Brady, it's his first Super Bowl, not in a Patriots uniform. And I right. spent, you know, all these years almost honestly desensitized, all too familiar with him reappearing in these games. But now that, you know, we're hyping up his GOAT, you know, greatness status, but he's in a completely different uniform. He's mm-hmm. playing a home Super Bowl. Obviously, he never could play a home Super Bowl with the Patriots up in uh, New England. So, you know, I think, of course, you got the Holmes and Brady kind of uh, goat debate in there as one of the main storylines. But Ethan, you know, we got to break this thing down, uh, based on the overall compositions of both these teams, because, you know, it isn't just like a, a boxing match, an MMA right. match, or even a golf, uh, you know, kind of head to head where it's all in these two individual guys, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a 100, what a 104 other guys suiting up for yep. both teams in this contest. So, why don't you lead us into a little bit of a breakdown uh, of the Casey Chiefs and TB Bucks uh, with the offenses? We'll kind of start out.
0: Yeah, sure. Well, okay. Well, let's go. Let's start off with the Chiefs. Just get it out of the way. I mean, everybody knows what I'm about to say, but you <laughs> know, I'll just put some numbers to all the mind-boggling stats and and all that stuff. First and foremost, you know, you know exactly what you're getting with the Chiefs in terms of just high octane big playability. And that all comes from Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he is simply just the main reason why this offense has been so successful basically since he started, uh, you know, playing consistently for them as their, as their starting quarterback this season, uh, they led the league in total yards per game, total yards per game with just shy of 416 yards per game. They also led the league in passing yards, 303.4 per game. However, the one not knock because they're, it's not that their run game is bad. They just don't really need to, you know, utilize it that much. But the one stat that is not that great for them, they were 16th in rushing with 112.4 yards per game. Yeah. I mean, of course, that's not terrible. You know, you're averaging like triple digits in terms of rushing yards per game, then that's at least pedestrian and it's, you know, not going to be a major detriment to your offense. But again, Their offense is so good with Mahomes. It's almost as if they don't need to run the ball, you know? Like, I think in any situation, short yardage, you know, backs against the wall, whatever it might be, you're always just going to trust Mahomes to make a play, find somebody who's open, use his legs, whatever it might be. Uh, So for that, I mean, we can get back to that in a little bit, but I think for that, that stat isn't necessarily as noteworthy as some people might be like, oh, well, they have no run game. It just doesn't really matter as long as he's healthy. Uh, but going on with the Chiefs offense, they were also uh, fourth in terms of the fewest giveaways this season. They only had 16. They were sixth in scoring with 29.6 points per game. I mean, in the 2020 playoffs, obviously they were the one seed, so they had the first-round buy in the AFC. But in the other two games, they were averaging 30 points per game on the dot this year. Uh, and really, you know – uh, again, it's it's Mahomes and his two weapons, his main two weapons, which are Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Both guys, you know, had uh, incredible seasons this year. Double-digit touchdowns, yeah. over a thousand receiving yards by like week 13. It seems like yeah, they're so just stupid. gonna do that every year. <laughs> yeah, they're just absolute animals. And I mean, look, at, at the, as long as they're healthy, it's probably the best big three offensive duo, excluding any team with like a major running back in their offense that I've seen in a long time, you know, Kelsey's basically a receiver. I I mean, like, yeah, he's a tight end, but he's a receiver. Like (laughs) he was leading the league in receiving yards until Diggs overtook him week seven or week 17, because, because he sat, you know, because they were just up by, by so much in the division that they didn't need to play him and Tyree kill, you know, say what you will about his, his off the field, uh, antics I guess I'll call and they're a little bit worse than that but we don't have to yeah. get into that but he still is uh-huh. a sensational player just objectively I mean whenever he catches the ball it seems like nobody can really touch him and and he's just off to the races if he has any sort of open field in front of him but that's enough for the Chiefs offense do you want to give me some of the Bucks' offense breakdown before we get into some of the defenses and talk about the two?
1: Yeah for sure because of course I think going into this Super Bowl one of the prominent themes here, of course, is the Chiefs' offense, you know, gunning for their place in history. I think it's kind of like you mentioned, it's they're kind of indisputably a, a juggernaut, and they've really begun to etch mm-hmm. themselves in kind of the annals of NFL history in terms of the best offensive unit by quarterback and uh head coach. But if you look at the Bucks' offense in terms of performance in this 2020 NFL season, it's really not that far off from the Chiefs. I mean, Tampa Bay was second in the NFL in points. They were third in the NFL in yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have just as potent as an, as an offense on a good day potentially yeah. as the Chiefs just given all the weapons that they have because, you know, like you're talking about, of course, Kelsey and Hill like those are first team all-pro kind of guys. Mm-hmm. But then the Bucks are also loaded. I mean, there's a reason that Brady chose this team. It wasn't just kind of a random, you know, throwing a dartboard a place where you get low, lower income taxes <laughs> and nice weather yeah. and And, you know, a nice transition to retirement, you know, Tampa Bay went into the season with a loaded offense guy like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, then acquiring Rob Gronkowski, then two running backs who have shown flashes of, you know, pro bowl caliber talent with Rojo and Fournette, obviously, you know, Fournette, a lot of hype. Built with him coming to the NFL, you know, he had some good years with the Jags, but I think yep. he's really, you know, carved a nice role for himself in this Buccaneers offense where, you know, when he was with the Jaguars, he was literally leaned on as a bell cow, uh-huh. but that offensive line was so bad and, and the team was so bad that he could <laughs> not really, you know, grow into his own. So, you know, Fournette, especially in these, um, you know, 2021 20, playoffs, the Bucs three playoff games, he's really carved out a nice uh, kind of utility for himself in this Arians Brady offense. He has 313 total yards and three touchdowns in their first three playoff games. You know, they're averaging over 30 points per game in the playoffs this year a lot because Brady has been so in sync with Fournette in kind of, uh, you know, the short passing game and chewing up clock, you know, pounding the rock. Uh, so I like, you know, his um, prospects in the Bucks offense in this particular game, I'm placing a wager uh, with playoff Lenny later on, but, you know, of course, I think you can't, uh, going back to Evans and Godwin, I mean, these are guys who have proven themselves to be, you know, high octane, lethal explosive receivers, especially Evans. I mean, seven straight seasons, a thousand She's yards or more, stupid. like, he's stupidly good. And I think, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a, it's a happy occasion for him being able to play in his first career Super Bowl. And I expect Brady to be feeding him the rock a lot.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I like what you we're talking about with the Bucks running game because of course, you know, if, you ask any casual NFL fan talk about the Bucks offense, then you know they're going to point to Brady and that incredible passing attack that they have. But you know, like you said, I mean, Fournette and, and Ronald Jones—not as much in the playoffs, but during the regular season—they have really been kind of unsung heroes for this Buccaneers offense. You know, they've been able to catch passes fairly effectively out of the backfield. They've been scoring in point uh, in big spots where they, the Bucks need them to score. They've been pretty reliable, and I think that that's actually going to be something that's sort of an ace up Bruce Arian's sleeve in this game and and offensive coordinator Byron left, which just because, you know, as a defense, you know, with the Chiefs defense, you're going to always just be preparing against a guy like Brady for that passing attack that, you know, has been Brady's signature uh, play style for basically our entire lifetime. So maybe, you know, maybe they got a little bit more in store uh, planned for Fournette. I mean, you got to think that Leonard Fournette is going to be the, the main guy. Ronald Jones has kind of had a disappointing playoffs, admittedly. But, you know, Fournette, like, like you said, he three touchdowns in the first three playoff games. He's been solid. And I I think he could actually be an X factor for the Bucs in this game if they want to win, because that's also going to chew some clock up uh, and maybe try to tire the Chiefs defense out. But speaking of the Chiefs defense, Theo, what do you got on this defense? You know, this is a defense that I think is kind of hard to read for a lot of people because sometimes they look really good, at least in my opinion. I mean, like against the uh, the Buffalo Bills last week or two weeks ago, it was like one of the best pass rushing performances I've ever seen uh, in the playoffs, like against an offensive line that was giving Josh Allen all the time in the world during the regular season and the chiefs defense, somehow they're just always in the backfield, but then there are other weeks where they don't look that good, you know, Right. right. and not bad per se, but they're just a little bit more mediocre. Uh, so I'm curious to see what you have to say, sort of, about this Chiefs defense and and what you might be looking for in terms of some you know common stats or themes that have emerged over the course of this entire season.
1: Well, yeah. So the Chiefs defense is a bit of an enigma, I think, going into this game, just because um, you know Reed isn't necessarily a coach where like defense is is his like signature or calling card. So right, like his teams year to year, there's a lot of fluctuation, and if we just look at this particular Chiefs defense, I mean. It's not horrible, but it's nothing to really write home about. I mean, they were tenth in the NFL in in points given up, so that's not too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were, you know, forced a tenth most turnover. so you know they're a very capable defense. But at the same time, you know, they've been exposed uh, on occasion. They've, um, you know, they don't force a lot of fumbles. They're like twenty fifth in the NFL in fumbles forced or something. They're very much middle of the pack between kind of like sixteen and twenty uh, in terms of pass defense and rush defense, but. You can't deny that they have some talented, you know, game-breaking playmakers on that defensive unit, guys who, you know, not even are necessarily like newcomers or unfamiliar with the kind of stage. I think that's a big mm-hmm. edge that this Chiefs defense get is not even necessarily, you know, a scheme edge, you know, in terms of being able to just capitalize and, you know, neutralize the Bucks offense, but in the sense that guys like Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew you know, they've been here before and they know what it's like to win. And I think the leadership and talent specifically of those three guys is going to be so huge for the Chiefs defense in terms of, you know, kind of other guys, maybe guys of more secondary, um, you know, talent, not necessarily, you know, not, try, not trying to like shit on them or anything, but guys like, you know, Drew Sorensen, Bashaud Breeland, who, you know, are the kind of guys who aren't necessarily household names like those other three, but can make significant plays that can break the game open.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, you said you're not trying to shit on them. I'll shit on them a little bit just because <laughs> I've been saying this all year. You know, they ha- always have decent interception numbers, or at least they have the past couple of years. But the what you brought up, I think, is actually very telling about the fact that they don't force many fumbles and still had 22 takeaways this year. You got to think that a lot of that was brought on by Patrick Mahomes and that offense, you know, just because most games they're up a fair amount. Or even if it's a close game, you are you know you're going to have to throw because of just how good that Chiefs offense is, and you know they're going to consistently put points up. And, you know, when, if you're forcing the, uh, the other team to throw, even just subconsciously, they're going to start forcing passes, you're going to throw some picks, you're going to overthrow some balls, especially against some shittier teams. And I think that that inflates the interception numbers a bit. I think that while I agree with you that their front seven is really like pretty decent at getting pressure and those are going to be the guys that need to be leaned on in this game. If they want to be successful, I think the secondary is very exploitable. Uh, you know, when they actually play good offenses, which again, they didn't play that many good teams this year. It's not to take anything away from the chiefs. They're incredible in the reigning super bowl champions. Mahomes is awesome, but they didn't play that many insanely good offenses this year I, the, basically, they haven't played anybody in terms of offensive prowess since the Bucks up until this point. You know, Week Twelve, so. You know, I, I think that they're kind of a little iffy. I mean, I think they have their work cut out for them. And, and Tyron Matthew and and Snead Sorensen, Breland, all these guys, you know, they've got something to prove because this is not just yeah. any random AFC West offense that's kind of hit or miss no matter what. This is Tom <laughs> Brady and a star-studded Bucs receiving core. So I, I'm really interested to see how they can fare against, I mean, the greatest player of all time. <laughs> Well,
1: yeah, I, I like what you say there. It's not just, you know, the your random uh, AFC West matchup here and there where one team might be right. having a bad day or bad day. And if you just kind of look at the Week 12 matchup between these two teams and uh, how the Chiefs performed defensively, you know, yeah, they weren't, like, stopping Tampa Bay, really, especially in the second half. You know, I really think – that the Chiefs defense were the ones who let them back into the game and ultimately caused Cannavale to cover the spread. I mean, people who lost money on yep. that game betting on the Chiefs spread and losing by half a point can blame that solely on the Chiefs defense, giving up 340 yards, which is pretty ridiculous. On Like, that's a lot of yards. Usually a team will have, you know, will ton. be the – Yeah, it's a ton, so – I mean, they really have to be stronger in in the second matchup, and because you know Brady and the Bucs are going to come out even more aggressive, given that they lost the first matchup, and of course it's the Super Bowl. Every you know every significant exactly. uh, factor kind of baked into that.
0: Exactly, and then, again, that's why I'm. My, going back to my initial point and sort of like backing up what you were saying, that's why I think the Chiefs being able to get some pressure in the passing game is so crucial, because that's the only way that they're going to get, you know, Brady, I mean, he's looked great in the playoffs, except when he's gotten pressure, you know, against the Packers, those three interceptions were all when he had heavy pressure and was forced into a throw that maybe wasn't his best option and so that's going to be the key, I think, for the Chiefs is just to try to do that, but uh, we'll get to some more real keys to victory for each uh, offensive and defensive unit in a bit. Let's move on to the final one, though, that I want to analyze, the Bucks defense. Theo, lay it down for me. What do you got for the Bucks defense, which is, at least on paper, a much better defense than the Chiefs, and sneakily one of the best in the NFL, I think.
1: Oh, yeah, and I think – you know, we've, we've done a good job of giving them, you know, their, their due, giving them. Yeah. We're better than like ESPN. Right. This whole, this whole season, I feel like every fucking wager wire that we take, one of us is taking the Buccaneers and their defense is part of the equation because kind of like I just did with the chiefs, you know, by the stats with the Buccaneers rush defense, they're number one in the NFL and it's not really close. They're number Uh one in uh team's attempts. So, (laughs) I mean, their opposing teams are figuring out that they can't run the ball against a stout defense. So they're not right. even trying. They're number one in yards. They've only given up 10 rush t- touchdowns the whole season. Absolutely absurd. So, you know, guys like Shaq Barrett, who had three sacks against the Packers, you know, hyped up offensive line last week. He was breaking right. that game open. Guys like JPP, Nadama Su, Vita Vea uh, Devin White, Levante mm-hmm. David. I mean, these are, these are all, insanely talented dudes uh yeah. who have really you know carried them carried this defense through the regular season then into the playoffs and really you know broke that game open for the team against the packers and negated any kind of uh you know strategy that Rodgers and the floor had in the nfc championship and ultimately were helping pull off these past two upsets you know between uh you know beating the saints and beating the packers some other yeah. stats you know they're they're six uh, overall, you know, rush and amp- pass defense, the fewest uh, yards per game allowed in the regular season, only averaging, uh, around like 320 yards, uh, for the opponent, They're tied yep. for the fourth, most takeaways turnovers of season with 25 turnovers. So, um, you know, just something I'm kind of looking for in this, in this Bucks defense, you know, kind of getting a little more specific down to brass tacks, um, that Todd Bowles is going to deploy a lot of too deep coverage to prevent the plays that, mm-hmm. um, you know, Mahomes really. Broke the top off of the defense and in their first match, you know, kind of like you said, that I mean, that Hill stat line is just mind boggling. Like 13 receptions. It's insane. So, by that metric, the bucks had one of the worst games of any pass defense the entire season because that was statistically the best game for any wide receiver in 2020. So, for them to prevent that same kind of atrocity from happening, you know, they can't play man. They got to play too deep. They got to prevent these, um, you know, heavy pass plays and force Mahomes to make decisions that are, you know, will lead to a second and five or a third and three as opposed to, you know, a first down and just getting first down one after the other between Kelsey and uh, Hill, you know.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, another thing just before we move on to some keys uh, for each team that I want to mention about the Bucks and their defenses it's just more something i've noticed in every bucks game that i've watched basically all year they're secondary like i they're all such ball hawks not even just of course everybody points to winfield uh you know as being that young guy the rookie who's just all over the place making plays but not even just him you know i carlton davis uh, what's the other D back's name? Murphy Bunting, I think his name is, and then Jordan Whitehead. Like all those guys are always trying to make plays on the ball. That's why they're able, like you said, to force so many turnovers, 25, which is fourth in the league. You know, they're hard-hitting too. And and they're, I think, gonna be a little bit more prepared just because they got absolutely smoked by uh, you know, the passing attack in the first game of the season that they played against one another. You know, and you got to think that that, like you said, Bulls is going to really be relying on those guys to limit the big playability because they're so young and so athletic, and that's kind of the only way that you really have a chance against somebody like Tyreek Hill and you know Travis Kelsey, of course Mahomes. I mean, if he runs, then all bets are off just because he is so elusive, when right? He right? Scramble, but but that's more on the linebackers. But yeah, I'm going to be looking for the Bucks uh, secondary to try to come up and make some big plays in this one just because. You know, if they don't, <laughs> it could get ugly. Right. You know, I mean, they're like, you can't give Mahomes too many opportunities. But enough of that, you know, I mean, we've been kind of hinting out this throughout our entire breakdown of the offensive and defensive units. Let's just get right into it uh, with some keys to victory for each team. Theo, why don't you give me one or two for the Chiefs to start it off?
1: Okay, I'll, uh, I'll give you my biggest one for the Chiefs, and right. that's to get the ball out to catch and run receivers or running backs or tight end very quickly, like Mm -hmm. very early on in the down can't Like can't let like three seconds go by without getting the ball out of your hands, Mahomes, because they're going to face immense pressure from this bucks front seven. Like we were kind of talking talking about, I mean, these are prolific pass rushers, like guys like Sue, David, JPP. I mean, those guys are going to have strong hall of fame cases and they're still, you Mm -hmm. know, playing basically at the top of their game so mm-hmm. especially considering that the Chiefs have a banged up offensive line they got a couple important guys out they're going to be facing a lot of blitzes uh, against the this Bucks defense and with you you know this kind of a cabal of explosive weapons that Reed has at his disposal between Edwards Hilaire Williams Bell Hill you got to be able to get the ball out to them in the flat, kind of yeah. break down the bucks in that regard, because when Mahomes is going to face pressure, he's going to need these reliable these reliable hands to throw to. So using things like end-arounds and jet sweeps, kind of non-traditional running plays, because like we're kind of talking about, they're going to be facing a brick wall if they're trying to run these, you know, isos and, and draws up the gut. So plays and schemes like end-arounds and jet sweeps with guys like Tyreek Hill, Demarcus Robinson, McCole Hardman, really speedy guys who perhaps, you know, aren't like the first choice traditional rushers out of this uh, Casey offensive scheme, that's going to be really critical to them, um, kind of capitalizing on the Bucks' effort to exploit the Chiefs banged up offensive line.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, that kind of actually uh, the, one of the keys that I, uh, for the Chiefs that I wanted wanted to give kind of really ties into that a bit. It's just don't be stupid, you know. I, I mean, I've said this already about a bunch of other teams that have played in the playoffs, but it seems like like teams like the Bills, teams like the Ravens, like a lot of teams over the course of this playoffs, even the Packers have tried to mix it up too much and get away from what has gotten them there in the first place, you know, and and that could be very devastatingly detrimental. I mean, it almost – ended the Chiefs' entire playoff bid, you know, and in Super Bowl bid when when me in that offensive line as we are in that offensive uh scheme as we were talking about decided, oh, well, let's have Mahomes who's already kind of hurt, like run an option and just get absolutely lit up. Like it's just stupid. So don't be stupid, you know, just stick to what, <laughs> what's gotten you there, which is letting Mahomes make plays, running these little trick plays, letting their all their really athletic receivers and, and running backs and Travis Kelsey, who is a receiver, but but letting all their playmakers just do what they do best. And, you know, I mean, the Bucks' defense, like, like you and I have both been saying, I think at least it's the best defense they've faced in a long time. If you try to get too cute and mix it up too much, it could come back to bite you in the ass. Of course, we've seen Mahomes do a lot of crazy stuff but but that's how you know that's how you win if you're the chiefs just let mahomes be mahomes and do what he does best which is spread the ball out to that plethora of receivers and running backs and and you know just keep moving it down the field to put points on the board
1: yeah i uh you know i there's going to be points put on the board regardless and i think a big uh kind of third key here for the chiefs especially you know considering that, you know, Mahomes are going to do Mahomes things, like the offense is going to put up a shit ton of points, even if it isn't like right out of the gate, in terms of the Chiefs defense, they have to force turnovers against Brady. I mean, they cannot, simply cannot win this game if they don't force at least one fumble, one interception, or serious error, because the reality is that like the mm-hmm. offense can only do so much but it's not going to be a you know a situation where it was like 54-51 like that one Monday night football game a couple of weeks ago like Chiefs defense yeah. is really going to have to step up and uh kind of I think you know my recommendation to them is that they got to follow this formula that's been set forward by the teams that have beaten the Bucks early in the season obviously you know Tampa Bay is not the same team that they were 3 months ago when they were whatever like uh 8 and 5 they're losing you know to the Rams lost to the Saints twice but kind of a common theme throughout those losses was that they were able to force Brady into uneasy throws right. and on, and force him to get the ball out and do these kind of Brady-esque panicked Hail marys. Something that I've really noticed, you know, being a Pats fan all these years is that when he faces pressure and a stacked box, he likes to get it out far down the field because there's so many mm-hmm. less guys in coverage. So right. if the Chiefs are able to pressure him, but also, you know, not, have a horrible error like uh, what's his face King did on the Packers against uh, Scotty Miller in these, (laughs) in these specific plays, then they're going to have a great opportunity to, you know, force these punts force these turnovers against a guy who is a goat for a reason, because he's able to you know, capitalize on the ways teams are trying to exploit him, you know, and kind of turn the tables.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, that's obviously what kept the Packers in that game, which could have easily gotten a lot more out of hand, you know, like you were alluding to when Brady did throw that big deep pass for the touchdown to Scotty Miller before halftime. I mean, it's what's going to keep anybody in any game is just, you know, trying to win that turnover battle. You know, that's the name of the game in the playoffs is win the turnover battle and, uh, and, you know, just try to keep the ball out of the other team's hands and get it back into your hands, but enough of the chiefs, let's move on now to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and some keys. I, I guess I'll start off with, one of mine, which I mean, again, this seems fairly obvious, but it is definitely something that the the Bucks are going to need to emphasize and really make a point to do if they want to win this game. And it's just, you know, they need touchdowns, not field goals. We've seen it time and again against Mahomes, even when it seems like he's down and out, you know, whether it's against the Texans last year, against the, the Bills this year in the first quarter of that game of the AFC championship, whatever it might be. You know that he's always going to come back and just push the ball downfield in a yeah. bunch of short plays and score touchdowns. I mean, it's it's what he does. You know, they're just always so good at scoring touchdowns rather than settling for field goals. And if the Bucs want a chance to to sort of match that, then they need to score touchdowns of their own. If you kick field goals, then that's might as well just be an empty trip or a punt, you know? Because yeah, for real. I, I mean – Harrison Bunker has the easiest job ever. He's, like, never kicking except for extra points, it seems (laughs) like, these days. So, you know, I mean, Brady knows this. This is is pretty obvious, like I said. But you just got to find a way to get into the end zone, whether it's – you know, I mean, it's probably not going to be special teams or defensively, but whether it's with the running game, with the passing game, trying to, to you know, switch things up a little bit, whatever it might be, you just got to find the end zone in and, in, you know, sort of enable yourself to keep the game within reach, if not take the lead at points. And I think that's going to be one of the major keys if the Bucks want a chance to win this one.
1: Yeah, I uh, you know, that's, that's a really important key. And I think kind of building off of that is – uh, utilizing this run game, you know, not just to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands, but like actual scheming, actually scheming run plays that can, you know, consume a lot of yardage, potentially set you up for a score or even, you know, yeah. get in the end zone in the first place. Because like we were kind of talking about, you know, this is a very exploitable Chiefs run defense. Like I was kind of saying, mm-hmm. you know, they're hovering around the 16th, to 20th kind of rank positions in terms of being able to limit opposing teams. So they're really hot or cold and, with a running back staff like Rojo, Fournette, even a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn, who's you know shown signs of um of talent earlier in the season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, getting those guys involved in the red zone and then you know punching it in the into the end zone on these first, second, third goal because we're going to be expecting Brady to pass lot because it's such a pass heavy offense. But because like we're kind of talking about, the Chiefs are exploitable in a lot of different ways. I think it's an opportunity for. um who's the Byron Leftwich? Yeah, he's the offensive coordinator, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. an sir. opportunity for Leftwich, Brady, and Arians to get creative as play callers and, you know, have some fun with Brady and these, you know, multiple kind of running back schemes, you know, perhaps having kind of two tailbacks in the backfield with Brady and the shotgun, uh, getting some running back screens in there. So uh, really utilizing these running backs to consume clock, keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands, while, like you're saying, you know, working toward the effort of putting six points on the board as opposed to three points on the board.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, it was like we were saying earlier, you know, it it doesn't seem like they're always playing well at the same time, but either Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette seems like they've at least at any point this season, one or the other has been really hot and it seems like Arians has trusted them. So I agree with everything you just said, you know, just just utilize them, sort of switch it up. It also helps keep the Chiefs' defense a little bit more honest, you know, so that they're not just everybody dropping back <clears throat> or vice versa, stacking the box. Um, one final key – I mean, this is probably the biggest key, I think, for – Tampa Bay is just to try to exploit uh, Kansas city's offensive line. You know, of course we haven't mentioned it yet, but they're going to be missing both of their starting tackles their left and right tackle. Eric Fisher, who was a pro bowler this year, former first overall pick and also uh, Mitchell Schwartz, right. Is his name the right tackle. Yeah. 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 They're both going to be out, you know, and that is already a recipe for not disaster, but it's definitely concerning just because, you know, you don't want to be missing offensive linemen in the Super Bowl, and then couple that with what we already mentioned about how fucking good the uh, Bucks' front seven is on defense. You know, they they have had incredible sacks numbers all year, and I think if the Bucks uh, really want to win this game, they got to take advantage of that. Just blitz the hell out of them. You know, try to get people into the backfield at least. You know, rush Mahomes a little bit. Of course, he's still Mahomes, so he's still going to make plays, but. That's the way that you beat any great quarterback and any quarterback in general is just getting yeah. pressure, forcing him to settle for a throw that might not be the home run ball, even if it's still giving up yards. And, you know, just try to mitigate the greatness that is Patrick Mahomes. And, and again, without those two tackles, I think that that's very doable. You know, uh, we saw already in Super Bowl 50 when Von Miller just absolutely destroyed a backup t- uh, tackle yeah. for the Panthers. <laughs> I mean, Von Miller is, of course, like one of the best defensive players of our generation. But the Bucks still have plenty of incredible pass rushers, and I think that that's going to be a real key here. Just, just get into the backfield, try to hurry Mahomes up a little bit. Even if he scrambles, that's fine because I think if you're Todd Bowles, if you're the Bucks, you'd rather have Mahomes running than extending plays and throwing a deep ball down to a yeah, wide yeah. open Tyree Hill for a sixty-yard touchdown. Yeah. You
1: know? No, I I agree with that. I think. Just because you have, like we're kind of talking about, like I had mentioned previously, guys who could be gold jacket kind of guys on the Buccaneers defensive line going up against a porous potentially, you know, hampered Kansas City offensive line. Uh Bulls has to exploit that. And if and if he doesn't, honestly, then he doesn't deserve to uh, be considered for a head coach in candidacy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I I actually have always thought Todd Bowles has got, gotten kind of a bad rap. I think he's a pretty good coach. But again, this, he's facing Mahomes now. It's a different story. Like, you got to you got to really come out to play and just you know drive home to your guys that the only way you're going to be able to at least limit him because again we've said this so much over the course of the playoffs and just the season in general but you're never going to stop Mahomes as long as he's healthy but if you can limit him enough you can give your offense a chance to stay in the game and like we've been saying uh, over the course of this episode exploit that you know, not lackluster, but kind of iffy uh, Chiefs defense, you know, and it's Brady. Like, Brady's going to be able to make some plays. You just got to try to limit Mahomes a little bit. But yep. with that, enough of the keys, you know, I think we've broken down this game quite a bit for everybody on both sides of the ball for both teams, you know, given given a rundown of who's going to be a bit a real X factor for each of the two. Let's get down to it, Theo. Those I mean, are... let's give some of our predictions and maybe some justification as to why. All righty hype for this. So, my prediction
1: Super Bowl 55, I am mm-hmm. going with the Kansas City Chiefs to repeat Oof. Pat Mahomes to lift that Lombardi for a second straight year. Score I'm going with is 41 to 27 Chiefs. So, Oof. I like a lot of points to be scored in this one. And look, I like I have turned from a total Bucks hater into someone who has grown respect for what Brady and Arians have built I think like I kind of mentioned last episode the hate was stemming from me being so salty as a Pats fan and right. kind of having my emotions turned on top of each other with okay like now my team is shit and then Brady is with a new team and they're excellent <laughs> so yeah. um but you know kind of what that's to say is that uh I could have taken the Chiefs to win by a lot because you know they're I project them to win by two touchdowns but I think that it's going to be a very close game throughout and it's going to be a situation where that particular score doesn't necessarily reflect uh, kind of the intensity in the competition within the game. I think um, the chiefs are just going to be able to get, uh, you know, kind of a garbage time touchdown a little bit like they did last year on that very first play um, after they got the ball back from San Francisco and broke the game open and really sealed the victory for Kansas city. Um, mm-hmm. For me, you know, it comes down to one guy, not even, you know, a hot take it's Patrick Mahomes. And I think this game is going to really turn into a Mahomes classic (laughs) spectacle, a real uh, one man show, you know, where he's going to throw for an ungodly amount of yards and make this game really unwinnable for Tampa Bay. I think that uh, it's not going to follow the same exact script, but I mean, this might be a hot take in that I think it will follow a pretty similar script in the sense that the Chiefs are going to put up a lot of points between the second and third quarters where the Bucs will, you know, have an offense that's keeping it going and, you know, getting some field goals or touchdowns on the board, but, you know, the Chiefs have just set themselves so far apart, you know, that's been their winning formula. That's how they beat the Bills last week. That's how Mm -hmm. they beat the Browns. It's that we're just better than you. We're going to show it in the beginning and really, you know, rely on our defense at the very end. So, like I said, I think the Bucs are going to keep fighting for a while. I think we're gonna see some big games out of their skill guys between Evans. I think Fournette's gonna have a big game. But Travis Kelsey, I think, is the non-quarterback X factor of this game that is really gonna set the Chiefs apart and bring them a cut above the Bucks in this particular <laughs> contest. Because wow. I don't think we've seen a tight end perform like this in years, probably since Gronkowski, I think in 2014 has there been such an elite tight end going into the Super Bowl with an opportunity like this so Mm -hmm. uh, i'm taking the chiefs and give me uh, a hot take travis kelsey for the super bowl mvp
0: wow i mean yeah okay look you know the travis kelsey super bowl mvp i think is a little bit of a hot take not crazy because he's still great but yeah i definitely see where you're coming from with the chiefs i mean it's Pretty tough to justify betting against the Super Bowl, the you know, reigning Super Bowl champions and Mahomes, as long as he's healthy and on the field, which obviously he's going to be. That said, I'm going to do that. Yeah. My pick, my prediction, that is, I'm 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 going to say the final score, Bucks 31, Chiefs 28. I think it's a close game the entire way. A real battle. You know, you have, like we've been talking about this entire episode, you have Kind of a changing of the guard, but not quite yet just because Brady's still playing at such a high level and it's really just two incredible offenses going at one another. But I think the real key difference in this game and the difference maker is going to be the Bucs defense, you know, because the Chiefs defense is just, in my opinion, not up to par compared to the Bucs defense. The Bucs defense is going to be making tons of plays they don't really have any weakness defensively whether it's the front seven or the secondary like we've alluded to and i think that they're going to exploit that banged up chief so line and limit limit mahomes just enough to be able to edge it out in a in a close close game i think it's going to be very back and forth throughout you know I'm not sure if it's going to be a game winning field goal or whatever, but I think it's going to be very close and really honestly a toss up come the fourth quarter. And I think once that happens, it's just going to be, you know, the same old story. Tom Brady wins yet another Super Bowl, his seventh. It's going to be annoying. It's going to be great, though, because it's not seven with the Patriots. It'll be six with the Patriots and one with the Bucks. So the Steelers will still be tied for the most Super Bowls <laughs> ever. Um, but then, you know, my MVP pick, I mean, all I have written is, I mean, come on. Like, if the Bucks win the Super Bowl, there's only one man that's going to be the MVP, yeah. and his name is Tom Brady. Like, is that a joke? He's going to be the MVP. He's going to throw for like 350 yards and like three touchdowns, probably one pick, but it'll be in the first quarter when it doesn't even matter. I, I honestly, you know, I've been riding the Bucks hard basically since uh, you know they really started to play well during the regular season, and I haven't gotten off that train. You know, I took them plus eight fifty to win the Super Bowl in the wager wire. I think at the start of the Wild Card round or something like that. They've been good to me ever since. You know, I keep saying time and again, you can't bet against Brady. I've been on the receiving end of that, the wrong end of that, many times. And you know, here's the here's the thing he's going to do it again like he's just the goat and this is just going to prove it. I mean, of course, could the Chiefs win? Yeah, and would I be surprised? Definitely not. They're an incredible team. Mahomes is a generational talent, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Between Brady on offense and that incredible Bucks defense, I think they have enough to win in a close one here. Give me 31-28 Buccaneers Super Bowl 55 champions, baby.
1: Uh I you know I do have to give Oof. give give you credit there. You you did uh get on the bucks train early on in the play. Yeah,
0: I've been on it for since like week 5, I think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh you know, I'm, I'm glad we're going against each other, though, honestly. It's going to make a, gonna make the texting back and forth on Sunday a little spicier. Yeah, it's going to
0: make the next episode great for one right. of us and brutal for the other. <laughs>
1: Before we transition, one thing I wanted to mention is that uh, in terms of Bucks MVPs, of course, like Brady, you know, 99% chance he's going to win it if they win. But if there's a certain defensive player that has, like, a major touchdown or multiple interceptions or multiple fumbles. Yeah, that's fair. Would not surprise you because, remember, Super Bowl 50 with, with Peyton Manning, um, Von Miller, of course, he won uh, right. he won the MVP. Same thing, Malcolm Smith. And with as talented of a defense as the Bucs have, especially that front seven. Would not surprise me if, uh you know, a linebacker. Yeah, JPP
0: has like three sacks. Yeah, or like something like that. Fumble. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I'll I'll give you that. But that's also – those are like anomalistic no, scenarios. No, right, I'm where, just saying. Like if that doesn't happen and they just win in a pretty normal game – not like normal, but, you know, a stereotypical, like what you'd expect from the Bucks game, then Brady's going to be the MVP. But, yeah, I'll give you that for sure. They have enough talent on defense where it could be a, any number of guys, honestly.
1: Let your allegiance get All black, everything. Black cars, black cards, all black, everything. And I love the bluebirds, got it I can't move and tap if you boys really grid up This is not familiar. I'll explain later. But for now, let me get back to this paper. I'm a good man. And I'm trying to get back. I gave another grip. I lost a flip of five stacks. Yeah, on took it five comma six. Here
0: we go. the... In the mm-hmm. oh, oh, no. oh, my goodness, taking home. Oh, what a play! play, bad, play out, wow. we can wait for this right here, all Yeah. Touchdown. 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 Oh,
1: yeah, it. Oh, With that, Ethan, let's get into some other outcomes in this game in terms of player props that we like with our Super Bowl special wager wire baby
0: Mm -hmm. why
1: don't you give us your first wager that you like for Super Bowl 55
0: sure thing well you know I mean I've been I've been riding the bucks hard but I still you know you got to give Mahomes and the Chiefs credit Mahomes is an incredible player you know he's going to show up it's his second Super Bowl in two years he won the first one he's gonna have a very good shot at winning this one <clears throat> and the prop that I really like is Mahomes three total touchdown passes plus 230 That's
1: <clears throat> on the number right exactly three yeah
0: that means three on the number not more not fewer okay three touchdowns and I you know look of course it's just an absolute guessing game you don't know how many he's going to have but it seems like a realistic number you know especially plus 230, it's pretty decent value. Yeah, that's and, good and They have the receiving core to do it. I mean, he always has like probably two to five touchdowns in every game. Roughly three seems like it's a good little happy medium there. So I don't really have a ton of statistics to back that up. It just seems like a very reasonable pick, honestly, with some good value added to it as a prop. So give me that Mahomes three touchdown passes.
1: Yeah, I can't really argue with the value there. Yeah, Plus right. money on, on three touchdowns, especially when he throws for three touchdowns basically every game, it feels like. Yeah. With my first wager, I'm uh, kind of sticking on theme. I'm going to defend my claim here for Kelsey, Super Bowl MVP. First player prop, Kelsey over 98 and a half receiving yards. I think he's about to feast on this Buccaneers pass defense because we know the Chiefs are going to stick to their classic script and feed Kelsey and Hill. And I think this certainly helps when you have one Patrick Mahomes throwing you the ball, one of the most accurate and potentially best throwers NFL history. But the defense that you're facing gave up at least 280 pass yards to guys like Jared Goff and Taylor Heineke, who for all intents and purposes are below average passers, not to mention guys like, you know, Carlton Davis, Jim, uh, Dean, Murphy Bunting, uh, Winfield. You know, they, while they have shown flashes of talent, they're all under the age of 24. So they're all very green haven't faced uh, an offensive scheme like, you know, the Chiefs have with their skill players since they played the Chiefs in week 12. Then if you kind of talk about specifically Travis Kelsey, second in the NFL in receiving yards in 2020, over his last 10 games, he's averaging 114 yards and a touchdown, which is just ridiculous for a tight end. Uh, And another thing that I think actually plays in his favor in terms of his ability to really explode in this game, which I'm predicting he will, is that he didn't have a big day, yards-wise, last year in Super Bowl 54. It's something only like 43 yards uh, and a touchdown. Right. So I think he's going to feature him a lot more in this matchup, given that you know it's so much better of a kind of head-to-head matchup than you know the 49ers' pass defense, which was one of the best in the NFL. Going, now he's going up against the Bucks defense, who, like I said, are very inexperienced and have shown um, kind of lack of composure against guys who are way worse than Mahomes. Love Kelsey's first touchdown score prop at plus 600 as well. So uh, give me all the Kelsey props.
0: All right. Yeah, I like that. You know, and Kelsey's a monster, so they're probably all going to hit. Uh, for mine, uh, my second wager wire pick the prop, I'm going to go with playoff Lenny anytime touchdown plus 120. Uh, you know, he's been kind of their guy. Like I was saying earlier, it seems like they really are – very much reliant on one or the other between him or Ronald Jones. They have been throughout this entire season. And right now, you know, Leonard Fournette is their guy. I mean, he has over 300 total yards and three touchdowns so far in the playoffs for the bucks. I think they're going to continue to feed him, at least give him touches either in the passing game or in the running game. Uh, you know, he's been honestly, one of the really consistent bright spots outside of Brady in this offense. And I think if they get the ball in the red zone at any point, he's going to be seeing some, some real carries, You know, I mean, as he should be just because that's the way you can chew the clock against against uh, Mahomes and the Chiefs and also try to get some points on the board. So I really like playoff Lenny here. You know, they call him playoff Lenny for a reason. The playoffs and sucks in the regular season. I expect more of the same like we've seen throughout his entire playoff career. Give me a touchdown from him plus 120 at any point in the game. And it could be receiving, could be a rushing touchdown, whatever it might be. I don't know, maybe even a passing touchdown, although that one, (laughs) but yeah, uh, you know, I I really like this one. I think this is honestly one of the easiest props to throw on just because if they're going to get any touchdown that's not a a pass from uh, Tom Brady to one of the receivers, it's going to be Fournette, you know, I think it's more likely that that happens than than Ronald Jones just because he's been kind of phased out since he had, I think he had a couple fumble problems late in the season or something, I don't even remember, but it's all playoff Lenny right now, give me the touchdown plus 120.
1: All right, great lay right there, and I think, bro, I, we're we're on the same wavelength here. We're doing yeah. really a little mind melt going uh, based on playoff Lenny because I'm also very high on his prospects in this Super Bowl. My second wager, I'm going with, uh, you know, you you mentioned touchdown, but I'm going with receiving yards specifically. Leonard Fournette right. over 26 and a half receiving yards. The odds I got on this also were surprisingly really great, uh, plus 125. So this is a wager on the plus money. I guess, an underdog pick by the stats. But to me, this is a lock. This is far from an underdog because, uh, you know, just the trends going into this game, Brady feeds running backs with passes and high-scoring Super Bowls, especially when yeah. the team is facing a deficit. And like we're kind of, you know, building up and anticipating with this game, it will be high-scoring and the Bucks will probably be losing at one or multiple points in this game. If you just kind of look at, uh, you know, a couple yeah. – Instances in the past: Super Bowl forty-nine, Patriots Seahawks, and that game, Shane Vereen, eleven receptions for sixty-four <laughs> yards. So he was a safety blanket. And then, of course, in Super Bowl fifty-one, the epic twenty-eight-three comeback, Patriots Falcons, James White. You know, I thought he could have gotten Super Bowl MVP. He had fourteen receptions for one hundred one, yeah. yeah. excuse me, one hundred ten receiving yards out of the backfield. So Brady really likes to go to these running backs in the flat, um, especially you know. When he has a lot more time, you know, make make a decision as opposed to being hurried and having to throw like a deep pass. Then just kind of talking about playoff Lenny himself, he wasn't always a high volume pass catcher. Right, like he didn't, he was not very active in the Jaguars' passing scheme back in the day. But that was also because, like we're saying, the Jags are trash. But he's really <laughs> developed into a fine uh, pass catching option here in Bruce Arians' offensive system. He's had at least three receptions in six of the last seven Bucks games, including the playoffs. And in the first two playoff games for the Buccaneers, he was essential as a very low risk uh, passing option. You know, 39 yards against Washington, 44 yards against New Orleans. Love that he's already proven he can be this reliable safety net for Brady uh, yep. in the flat. And I love that this is plus money first and foremost. So give me Fournette over receiving yards.
0: All right. Yeah, I like that. Shane Vereen. I I was just laughing. I haven't heard that name called in a while. He was a real focal point of that offense. Good. He was good. Yeah. um, All right. For my final wager wire pick, I'm going with, this one's kind of a little bit more of a shot in the dark. I'm going with A, B, anytime touchdown, plus 225. (laughs) You know, I know that he hasn't had the best playoff run this year. I mean, he didn't play against the Packers. He was what, was he injured in the Saints game, or did he not play at all in that game? Regardless, he didn't score. I know that. Yeah, yeah I mean, but still, you know, it's A-B. Obviously, he's not the A-B, you know, of the Steelers, where he was just, like, the go-to guy. He's just old now. It's just not the way that they're going to phase him into the offense. But still, you, you know, in a similar vein to that, the opposite, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, those guys are going to be the two primary uh, sort of – you know, shut down options for the Chiefs defense. They're going to be looking to maybe double-team at least Evans. Who knows if they do both. I mean, that's going to be where you're expecting a lot of uh, coverage to be drawn to. And with that, it's going to leave guys like A.B., Scotty Miller, the tight ends open. And A.B. seems like the most logical guy to go with to score a touchdown. You know, I mean, Brady clearly likes him. He he had a bunch of big touchdown catches down the stretch. This is the second team he's been on with Brady, I'll be the first one, doesn't really count with the Patriots uh when they were on the same team for like what it seemed like 30 minutes. But you know, <laughs> it was he's one game. Very good player. I mean, as much as I hate to admit it, and he's still got talent. I mean, they're they're saying he's gonna be healthy too for this game, or at least healthy enough to play. So, you know, that that's gonna that's gonna really bode well for him. And and he has the rapport with Brady. So while it is a shot in the dark, I think a little bit more, I got a feeling that. If there's some random-ish receiver on the Bucks who's going to catch a touchdown, it's probably going to be Antonio Brown just because, you know, it's going to be a, be a nice big F you to the Steelers once he catches a touchdown in his Super Bowl victory, and even though he didn't win one with us. Fuck you, Antonio Brown. <laughs> but if you catch a touchdown at plus 225, I'll forgive you.
1: Does the, the fact that A.B. was on the Patriots for one game, I literally haven't thought about that in weeks. And so like, weird. <laughs> he caught a touchdown in that one game. so I know. Works in, works in the favor of your little wager there. Um, with my final uh, prop bet wager wire lay that I'm taking, I'm going with actually Rob Gronkowski anytime touchdown. All right. At plus 195 odds. I think this is a steal at this uh, value yeah, price. Because while Gronk obviously hasn't, you know, slid back into that classic Gronk role that he was with the Patriots and, you know, putting up Kelsey-esque numbers that, you know, kind of classic six reception, hundred ten yard, one touchdown stat That that's not the Gronk we're seeing anymore. There are a couple trends that I think really, you know, pretend to him being a primary touchdown uh, option here for Brady in this Super Bowl. Because if you look at uh, the past two Super Bowls that Brady and Gronk have played together, Super Bowl 52 and uh, 53. Patriots, uh, you know, losing to the Eagles and then beating the Rams. In those two uh, contests, Gronk had nine and six receptions. So he was one of the busiest uh, receivers for Brady in those. And, of course, you know, it's a different Gronk, kind of like I'm talking about. But I predict that, you know, because the Bucs are going to have to pass, like we're talking about, because they're probably going to face a deficit, he's going to look for a safety net. He's going to look for a guy who has been basically his reliable touchdown option this season – among you know the seven touchdowns that Gronk has had in the 2020 season, most of those have come in games where the touchdown pass was one of the two catches he had in the game. So they're really looking to give Gronk attention in the red zone, perhaps lopsided attention compared to the other uh, Buccaneers pass catchers. And <clears throat> for me, bottom line is that coaching two season champions is very different than coaching... All these other first timers in the Super Bowl. So yeah. given that they, yeah. you know, have such a such a deep connection and reliable rapport between the two of them, Brady and Gronk. I really expect him to look for Gronk in the first or second half. I think uh that this wager is a really good chance of hitting, regardless of game script. So give me Gronk anytime touchdown at plus one ninety five.
0: Yeah, I like that one. You know, it seems like just too obvious that Gronk's gonna have some sort of big play in this yeah. game. Just because even yeah. It's like against the Packers, too, even though he only had one catch, it was like one massive catch that was, I think it was a big third down conversion. It was like a 30 yard or 40 yard or something like that. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, it's tough to honestly go against that just because, you know, Brady and Gronk, it's been it's a tale as old as time in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. It's going to continue to happen. I like that one a lot. Enough of the wager wire now, though. Enough betting, enough gambling. <laughs> so much of that. Stop Let's betting, Theo. Going right into a little bit of a uh, Super Bowl edition of the Time Machine, Hey eh, Theo? What do we got on tap for this one?
1: Yes, sir. So this week on the Hot Take Time Machine – Ooh. Uh, we're highlighting uh, two Super Bowls from the past. Not 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 a deep dive, but I just wanted to highlight one that was uh, last played on February seventh, because of course the the date always rotates the first February of first um, Sunday of every of February every year. And then you know the last Super Bowl that was played in Tampa Bay. So I'll, I'll let you I'll let you take the second one, but I'm gonna start with the last Super Bowl played on February seventh, uh, Super Bowl forty four. Okay, this was. Uh, 2009 regular season, 2010 playoffs, the New Orleans Saints beat the Indianapolis Colts 34 to 17. Um, I remember watching this so vividly uh, because this game was a lot more entertaining and a lot closer than I think the score reflects just because the Saints got that late, uh, really explosive pick six that put the game out of reach for the Colts because the Colts were driving at the end of that game to tie up the score at 24. And I think we'd be reflecting on the Super Bowl a lot more differently than we are right now because as the years go by, I feel like this this particular Super Bowl takes on more and more weight, and there's just so much you know baked in, and so much rich football history in this. Because, I mean, Drew Brees, this ended up being the only title of his illustrious career. A guy who sits at the top or near the top of you know regular season play and playoff uh, career passes, uh, completion percentage, yards. This was his only ring, and it was against a guy who was having an MVP season. Of course, you know, Peyton Manning, like top two or three quarterback of all time. So, one of the best head to head quarterback matchups that we've seen. And Breeze dominated this game. He was 32 for 39, only seven incompletions for 288 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he, by the stats, he pulled off a fourth quarter comeback because the Colts were leading 17 to 16 going into that fourth quarter. But then Breeze is able to get the Jeremy Shockey uh, t- uh, tight end touchdown, <clears throat> then benefit from the Tracy Porter pick six that basically won them the game. Um, also kind of another tidbit that was interesting. Both these teams were undefeated for most of the regular season. So that added even more significance wow. to uh, to this contest in 2010. I uh, just thought it would be kind of interesting to reflect on that one because it ended up being Drew Breeze's only Super Bowl
0: yeah yeah definitely that was i actually don't have a ton of memories of that game but i remember some stuff and like, yeah that is actually i like that you bring up the fact that as the years go on it does become a little bit more notable just because it was obviously breezes only super bowl even though you would have expected him to have more up against paid manning you know those were the two qbs other than brady who really you know defined the Man. 21st century However, let's go now to another Super Bowl that is very near and dear to my heart. The last Super Bowl to be played in Tampa Bay, Super Bowl 43. the year prior. My Pittsburgh Steelers eked out an incredible victory to voice their record sixth Lombardi trophy uh, over the Arizona Cardinals. You, You have written underneath this, in my opinion, one of the best Super Bowls ever played. I think it is the best, other than only the twenty-eight to three comeback that the Patriots pulled off against the Falcons. Okay. okay. I mean, that that it's tough to you know sort of top that. It's just like that is ridiculous to be down twenty-five and still win. But we're not talking about that Super Bowl. We're talking about this one, Super Bowl forty-three. You know, you have right before halftime that incredible, incredible James Harrison pick-six where he runs over a hundred yards. So absurd. Yeah, I mean, I have a mural of that in my basement. (laughs) I swear to God. Uh, You know, that's probably, in my opinion, the best defensive play in Super Bowl history. I think the Malcolm Butler touchdown or uh, interception could rival it, but. It wasn't a pick six like this one, and also he's a D back; that's his job. James Harrison's an edge rusher. Uh, then you know you also have Santonio Holmes. That that historic drive down the field by Ben Roethlisberger, where he finds him in the corner of the end zone. Somehow Santonio gets his two feet down, catches the game winning touchdown with like thirty seconds left. I mean, it, that is one of the most iconic plays in Super Bowl history. And then <clears throat> the other thing that a lot of people forget. Larry Fitzgerald, while he's never won a Super Bowl, he balled out in yeah, this crazy in this entire playoffs. I mean, in this Super Bowl alone, he had 130 yards and two touchdowns. He was what basically kept the Cardinals in it and got them back to having a lead. Uh, you know, late in the game, he was just running all over the place, everywhere against the Steelers secondary and defense. That, of course, I'm biased, but you have some of the best players of the 21st century on that defense, in guys like Troy Palomalu, in you know. James Harrison. I mean, a lesser known name is Casey Hampton, but an incredible nose tackle who who's perennial all pro you have all these great players and Larry Fitzgerald was still able to just absolutely you know, play out of his mind and keep them in this game. But, of course, that was the last Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. It was incredible, you know. That's what everybody who's a football fan, whether you have a vested interest in either team or not, it's what you want out of the Super Bowl. Is just tons of crazy, memorable plays back and forth. You don't know who's going to win by the time the fourth quarter comes around. And, I mean, this one, you can't get much better than coming down to the, basically the final yeah. play of the game, you know. So, this is definitely – I mean – Look, it was great for me, but I'm hoping that this year's Super Bowl is just as exciting, you know? I mean, we have another incredible matchup on our hands. Of course, we've gone through it all with the Chiefs and Bucks, the Brady-Mahomes hype. I mean, I'm hoping that this Super Bowl lives up to the sort of pedigree that Tampa Bay Super Bowls seem to have, yeah. you know? I mean, the, <laughs> it's, it's kind of a tall order to top the right. Super Bowl 43 matchup and the way that game played out, but you never know. You know, if any guys are going to do it, it's Brady-Mahomes.
1: Well, what you know, kind of something I love to consider when you're putting these two Tampa Bay Super Bowls side by side, uh, Super Bowl forty-three, you know, two thousand eight, Steelers beating the Cardinals, and then uh, Super Bowl fifty-five here uh, between <laughs> fist pump uh, between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers, yeah. that the nostalgia for this honestly bygone era of football, where it was like you know a new kind of generation of the steel curtain with. Paul Amalu and Harrison in the prime of Hall of Fame careers guys like Keisel um what like James Farrier, right I mean sure. yeah they're just Tony like Collins. such classic Steelers and then you got Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald who are seemingly born out of this you know very classic 2000s west coast kind of offense you know Fitzgerald right. kind of taking on that Tory Holt role that Kurt Warner created to show on turf with the Rams because mm-hmm. it's so different compared to the type of football that we're seeing here in 2021 where the two teams, you know, are high octane offenses. It's right. an NFL where it's literally like who can, you know, boat race the other team throughout the whole game more, a lot less of you know, the smash mouth football that really made this a dogfight of a game between the Steelers and Cardinals. Because yeah. like we're talking about as we previewed the Super Bowl 55, the storyline is between the two quarterbacks. Whereas in that particular game, you know, the storyline going into it was perhaps more like, we don't know what to expect when like this elite historic Steelers defense going up against this, uh, you know, prolific Cardinals offense. And then, you know, you got the Steelers on, on their offensive end with like Willie Parker, Santonio Holmes going up against the Cardinals, their defensive uh, side with Carlos Dansby. So that's all to kind of say that we're so excited for this particular Super Bowl, just you know, what it's gonna bring here in Tampa Bay. Hopefully we get the same kind of explosiveness and high scoring that we had in Super Bowl forty three. And uh Ethan I know neither of our uh Steelers or Patriots are in this one, but I'm fucking amped. I don't know
0: about yeah. you. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm excited for the game to actually happen and then we'll be talking about it next week, you know. Hopefully I'm right with my prediction, but you know, you never know. Uh, regardless, we'll be giving everybody a full breakdown of what plays out in Tampa Bay on Sunday this weekend as well as, you know, starting to get into some other sports too. That's another thing that while it's sad that the NFL season is coming to an end on Sunday, there is a silver lining cuz we'll get into some more hockey, some baseball off-season yes, stuff some big fights as i mentioned in march we've got basketball college and the nba so you know even though the football uh side to this podcast is taking its its uh annual sort of leave for a little while until the draft comes around i'm still excited because we got plenty of stuff to talk about but first things first super bowl 55 in tampa bay
1: just a quick shout out to uh everyone who stuck with us the entire nfl season we've had some Some flaming hot takes that really flamed out and some hot takes that are uh, potentially proven true. We'll see if Ethan's uh, plus 850 future will hit, though. I think that's going to be, you know, we already saw my Mahomes future fall by the wayside. And we got (laughs) to now see if this Bucks future ends up coming to fruition.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd be pretty happy if it does. But, you know, look, I don't want to put anything out into the atmosphere. Listen, it's it's sports. Let's just see what happens, you know. Let's just see what happens but yeah all right thanks everybody so much for listening you know let's hope for a great super bowl great let's hope for a great halftime show too i mean you know the commercials are going to be on point this year since everybody's gonna be watching from home uh and yeah can't wait to talk about it next week break it down for you guys thanks everyone
1: oh yeah thanks everyone for listening and enjoy the super bowl